Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, I'm really excited to have vocalist, keyboard extraordinaire from Styx, Lawrence Gowan. Lawrence, how you doing? I'm doing great, Sly Dog. How are you today? I'm doing really well. This is so cool. Um, Styx is such a important band to me, an important part of my musical history. And uh, I reference them on the show a lot. So to have you as an interview guest is uh, fantastic. So thank you for coming on. Well, it's my pleasure. And I'm already, I'm, I'm digging your t-shirt. So. Oh, thank you. Yes, uh, this is from the uh, 2019 tour. Yeah, yeah. I know I know we're, we're on audio, but I can uh, just, we should tell the public we're actually doing this as a Zoom call so we can see each other. And uh, yep. your t-shirt is very appropriate. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of touring, I wanted to get right into it. Uh, you're on this wonderful tour right now, live and unzoomed with REO and Loverboy. How's it, how's it been so far? Honestly, it's been the best summer tour we've ever done. <laughs> it's, nice. it's no, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm touching everything wood or whatever this is, wood veneer here in the hotel. The, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's, it's a great combination of bands. The audiences are so hungry and so uh, are so ready for uh for, for a night of classic rock that we're able to present them, you know, it's over four hours, you know, of, uh, of every song they know, and they, um, they're really embracing it. And as far as sticks goes, you know, we're, we are really in a, a pretty sweet spot right now. We seem to be really, um, you know, hitting everything on all cylinders and the band is clicking and, uh, you know, the audiences are responding uh, in kind. That's awesome. You've toured with REO many times since, especially since you joined the band. Is it safe to say you've kind of built a brotherhood with them? Yes, it is safe to say that. We really, um, they're, they're great touring partners. Everything sort of changed around the, the, uh, the, the turn of the new millennium where, you know, these, these bands were very much competitors in the past. And we, it, to a degree, we still are. But to, it's a different, it's a different mindset to it. We really are also each other's cheering sections. You know, last night, Ario had a particularly strong night in, uh, we're in, outside San Jose at the shoreline. And uh, they had a particularly strong night, which makes it great for us to go on after that because the audience is in a great mood and it knows that we have to be on the top of our game, you know, otherwise uh they're going to uh they're, they're going to, uh, people you know they, they make comparisons and and the best uh compliment i hear from that from it is i couldn't decide which band was best you know it was just it was all so strong throughout the night there was such a great uh you know emotional character that they carried through all three bands so we really are very much it's we're all part of the same show in, in a lot of ways and, and we really um we really support each other and you know they're really good guys anyway so how could you not yeah absolutely yeah to me you guys have always kind of been and it might just be because of my age i remember you know i was a kid you know i'm, I'm 28 years old i was a kid when that arch allies tour was first happening and i remember seeing that album so i kind of like you guys have always been crossed in my mind as kindred spirits so yeah it's definitely carried it. yeah arch allies yeah we made that at, was it 2001 yeah, 2000 or 2001, yeah, something like that. It was like, like 2001, yeah. And yeah. I think it's the first time I'd ever seen, I'd ever known of a, a, a live album being done by two bands, you know, and, and it really, uh, that really kind of set the tone for what we've done for the past couple of decades together. Yep. You guys are like, I consider you one of the hardest working bands in rock because I never hear about like Sticks is going to take a summer off and 
one guy might go do a solo gig or one guy might just, you know, want some time off, whatever the case may be. Like it sticks has never been like that in my lifetime. They're like, that's a continually moving machine. Uh, what do you guys attribute that to? I think it's part of the lifeblood of a band as much as, you know, there's a, there's a um, sort of a, there's a, a pendulum that kind of swings between wanting to, uh, create new music together. So that's, that's a very important and vital factor and, and recording and, and kind of going through that, that the process and the, uh, the, uh, all of, all of the, uh, the difficulties and the, and the triumphs of that. But then the payoff really comes when you play in front of people and you see how people's rea- how they react in real time when you're playing these songs and how the, the, uh, the, the level of communication, musical communication, is what elevates the the whole experience to a whole other level that you really can't achieve other than you know you know music music at its core is communication. It's a language. We don't understand this language. We just know that it makes us feel uh, amazing. And when you when you're looking at a, at a, you know thousands of people reacting to a piece of music, it's um it's a bonding. Um, factor between not just between the audience and the band but between the band members themselves and you know we're, we're in each other's company so much of the year and, and you know staying close to that live experience is what keeps us very much uh, uh close uh, both musically and personally so um it's important to keep that you know that fire burning you know for us and and at this age, quite honestly, for a band that's been around for 50 years, it's it's life enhancing. It's life extending, really, because you're connecting to something that's uh, that's really got a, a, um, a, a I, I would say, quite honestly, an element of magic. We'll call it magic because we don't understand exactly what why it does what it does to us. But we just we know that we love it. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, you know, the whole. What's the phrase If the shark stops, shops, stops swimming, it's dead. You know, like sticks is the shark that keeps on swimming. That's right. We are the shark that keeps on swimming. I think, I think Einstein also said, I think it was Einstein said an object in motion tends to stay in motion. So we tend to stay in motion. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, your other touring partner right now is Loverboy, which, you know, another great band I yeah. love. Uh, I, was, I was curious, is this your first tour with Loverboy and also had you toured with them back when you were, you know, doing Gowan? We've no, we've never toured together. We've done shows together, like one off, one off shows. You know, so this show is going to be. Lover. We've never done a Lover Boy and Gowan show. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility in the future, though, because after uh, after we've done this tour together, we've really, um, you know, first of all, we were signed by the same A and R guy at uh, at CBS Records or Columbia Records back in the eighties, and um, so we had that kind of as a. Uh, as a touchstone that, that we had uh, this fellow named Jeff Burns, who was legendary uh, A&R man at Columbia, signed both of us. And um, so we'd see each other at award shows. And then when I joined Sticks, we would do, as I say, one-off. But this is, this is the first time we've actually toured together. And it really is a great combination. And perhaps in the future, I'll do something with them in a, in a solo realm. Nice. Very cool. Um, you mentioned new music earlier, and we cannot, we have to absolutely talk about the amazing Crash the Crown album. Um, it's over a year old now, which is crazy to me. It still feels yeah. very fresh. I know. Um, looking back on it now, that yeah. it's been out for a year. How do you feel about it? Well, I, for myself, it, it's going to sound, you know, it, it, it sounds immodest or whatever you want to, however you want to put it. And, but 
it, I think it's the best musical statement we've made that in the mission, you know, as, as a collective, you know, from my time in the band, my 23 years now, the, our last two records have been our strongest musical, you know, endeavor, uh, uh, you know, as far as new material goes and for crash of the crown to enter, you know, the, the billboard, um, uh, rock album chart it ended at number one last year and still in the top 30 uh, a year later is is really an accomplishment for a band that's been around as long as we have and you know people i, I love people that that weren't even born like yourself you weren't even born when when the legacy of sticks began and and the historic uh building of that band you know happened decades before you were born i see people in the audience of, of your age group you know let's let's even say go even further than your age i mean almost double your age you weren't even born then but they've embraced they they've embraced the band over the last 20 years or whatever and they have it's become concurrent with their lifetime and so the new music kind of is is great to have something that's in tandem with their their um experience with the band so i i see them kind of singing the songs more fervently than people that, that perhaps have been around since the very beginning who really are connected so much to the music that they grew up on. So it's a wonderful thing to see that, that there's this great uh, span of time that the albums have covered now. And, and I feel the Crash of the Crown stands well alongside the, the classic albums of the past, like Grand Illusion, Pieces of Eight, and, and those great records. something for the younger fans because that's always been a thing that's important to me i feel like you know i love it when bands do new music like not just because i love getting new music but because like this is my sticks you know this is the sticks album of my era yeah like crash of the crown the mission uh cyclorama those are all albums that i got you know when they came out so like yeah. it means something to me. i mean i love grand illusion and i love pieces of eight they're some of my favorite records but i kind of got them you know after the fact so there's something special about getting it when it comes out you know, there, is, there is and it really it really speaks well to the to the uh to the uh the effect of, of classic rock that that so many people um you know who weren't born in that era have yet have have still gravitated to that style of music i now compare it to you know we'll say in the first half of the 20th century that jazz was the was the big musical statement and there are lots of people in the last last half of the 20th century who began loving jazz and loved great jazz musicians, you know, Thelonious Monk and Louis Armstrong and, you know, all these great jazz players. And, um, but they weren't even born in that era. Now, 
the last half of the 20th century was was clearly dominated by what we now call classic rock uh and you know so many people have have see it as as a legitimate long-lasting life um uh form of music and they, they they so it makes it a little bit i have to say this slide dog it's a it makes it a little tricky for us because you know we we need to kind of bridge the the sound of that era which means kind of digging out all the old analog material uh, gear and and embracing that method of making a record and at the same time express something that's current with with the band's mindset and and you know particularly in a lyrical sense so that we're not just pandering to uh, themes of the past so it's a tricky little balancing act and i think we really struck it well with these last two records and perhaps even best of all with crash of the crown i totally agree and you gave me a good transition for my next question uh to me the album has a really strong theme of unity and perseverance in a dark time and you know these last few years they've not been easy for anyone i don't think um was that a conscious thing you guys laid out at the start or did that just happen organically as you wrote these songs it really it couldn't have been more organic it, it because most of the album i think i think all but two songs there are two songs uh our wonderful lives and to those i remember them they were written after the pandemic began okay everything else we had written beforehand. So I wasn't even, I wasn't involved in the writing of those last two songs because, you know, we were all relegated to our own cities. And um, it just so happens that there are producer, Willie Vankovich, now a member of the band, and Tommy, they lived in Nashville. So they were able to kind of, uh, uh, you know, stay in close enough contact to come up with those songs. But really the record itself, we had, we were well down the path with all the writing and, and at least the initial recording before March of 2020, when uh, when we got a phone call saying, yeah, um, the tour's off, go home, <laughs> like everybody else. And, and as you point out, as you point out, it, it's, it was tough for everyone. Uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm always trying to decide who it was tougher on. I mean, obviously, there, there, there's the, the tragic side of it, where particularly people of, uh, of a certain age were, were devastated by it, uh, you know, and families were... Um, uh, you know, it, it, irreparably and tragically kind of um, changed forever because of it. There were younger people who, you know, maybe took it really lightly, but but had their lives terribly interrupted. You know, I, I, I sometimes think it was harder on younger people than anyone. I, I, I'm pretty sure of that because, you know, your, your life is really just getting going and um, you don't have time for this, right? Yeah. For, for, for us, it was as as we started earlier in this conversation, we had no intention of slowing down in 2020, but we, we actually, in, in some ways, we benefited by it because um, a couple of months into the pandemic, we, we listened to where we were on this record on Crash of the Crown. And it was at that moment that we realized, incredibly coincidental, that the lyrics of these songs speak really directly to what we're going through right now and possibly what everyone's going through and i think that's it's weird i think we were in a weird place globally before the pandemic hit we we had we had some sort of feeling of trepidation and yet uh, I, and yet despite that a um a sense of hope despite things being quite glue quite dark uh, and the record i think is a, is a great balance 
of those two emotions, those two human emotions, that 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 sense of um, of of fate dealing you a kind of a, a dark hand, and yet looking at it and saying, "But hold on a second, we can get beyond this. You know, there, there's life beyond this, and it'll be even sweeter because we've gone through this uh, experience together." I think that is front and center on Crash of the Crown because I, when I try to reduce the record to um, to a theme, it's 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 um, it's a theme of renewal after a cataclysmic event. So you can you can paint into that picture whatever whatever suits your own little narrative, your own little story, and uh, and I think the record stands up under that light. It's a brand new day, and I'm tired of being uncertain. I'm throwing back the curtains, pour some sun on my face, and now she's smiling. She's making up a song, gonna sing it all. ask you a very musical question about uh what you do as a keyboard player especially on this album i feel like you got a little you got to be a little more front and center at times doing a lot of like cool leads and stuff on certain songs mm. and one of my favorite things about sticks is like i remember the first being a little little kid and hearing grand illusion the first time and that that big synth line which as a kid i thought was a guitar and then yeah. later i found like you know the like in grand illusion example do 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 i thought that was a guitar it's not it's like a big synth line and then that's something that you guys continued over the, your career. Like another one that sticks out, one that you did is uh, one with everything, that big synth sound in there. So when you're crafting a solo like that or a lead in a song, what goes into that? Because like, it's just always been something that's so fascinating to me. Well, first of all, thank you very much for bringing up one with everything from, from Cyclorama. Yes, that's one of my most, I'm pretty proud of that solo, actually, yeah. <laughs> that you have it's to bring so, that up. It's so cool. I, I love the way it kind of like explodes and flies through the air like a bird. Yeah, yeah. And I, that whole section of music came into uh, One With Everything. I, I had it already written and kind of dropped it in there because I said, you know, there should probably be a synth solo in here somewhere. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very drawn to those when they're done well. I mean, the first, the first synth solo I ever really took note of was Lucky Man from um, Amherst Lake and Palmer. I think that's the first wow. one most people first noticed.
was that great Moog solo that uh, the Keith Emerson played. And from that point forward, I thought, what a great contrast in sound that is to a guitar solo. You know, it's the other side of that equation is here's, here's a solo that can be played on this, this other instrument that has uh, this futuristic sounding at that time, <laughs> yeah. years ago, and, um, and, and has a, a great uh, sense of, of, of uh, adventure to it, let's call it that. So, you know, uh, the, the one we came up with in, in One With Everything, I think is, um, it was kind of crafted with like, um, in a little bit of a way, like, like a classical solo would be. I actually have my piano in front of me here. Um, oh, cool. so you remember, yeah, you see, I've got a little, uh, there's always, oh, nice. <laughs> always a keyboard right in front of me. I just haven't, <laughs> I just, just haven't plugged it in yet uh, today because the, uh, I knew we'd be doing this. Um, I should have seen this coming. Anyway, it was kind of a little bit like a piano solo, you know, and I remember Todd mentioning, you know, you know, get out all your conserv your Royal Conservatory chops on this one. I remember when we were doing that. So I kind of was able to kind of stretch on it a little bit. And um, I guess the, um, the second time I got a chance to do that with the band and really stretch like that was on, there's a song on the mission uh, called Red Storm and it ends with a synth solo. Uh, and, and that one I'm quite proud of as well. And curiously enough, that solo was done because we were recording on the day. It's, it sounds like a, a, a little bit of a cryptic thing to say here, but I'm going to tell people. It was the day that Keith Emerson died. And wow. we, were, we were talking about him a lot. He was the subject of the day. And we were working on the song Red Storm. And I, I just thought, well, let's, let's put a... Let's, see if we can get this wild kind of storm of a synth solo at the end of it. There's this chaotic sense of, of what's going on in this storm on Mars, which is the part of the concept of the record. And uh, so that was the second one that I was able to do that, um, that I was quite pleased with. And then on this record, there are some really interesting lines. And some of them were written by, uh, by Willie Vankovich. Some of them I was able to come up with myself, but they, uh, they do weave in and out of the record in a, in a, uh, in a very um, pleasing way, anyway, to my own ear. Yeah, like the one that sticks in my mind is reveries. Like, I really like what's going on there. What a great line that is. Yes, I, I that one I did not write. That was written by Will. Oh, wow. And but I was able to play it and, 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 and stretch out into it and sing the lead vocal on that song. of my life Here I'm Thinking I'm a rarity Craving popularity Just slow down Love me Love me like you know me well Believe the stories I can tell about me Help me Help me build my mind the worry where the body went Trust me that song uh the um that one was done on my 
vintage Oberheim. I have a, an Oberheim OB8 in Toronto. That's another nice thing I, you know, you might want to, uh, people should know about uh, Crash of the Crown is because we wound up having to record in uh, separate cities, uh, but yet connected on Zoom calls like we are right now. Yeah. We, I was able to use all these vintage instruments that, that are so old that I wouldn't dare move them five inches. You know, I've got a keyboard, <laughs> I've got a keyboard set up in Nashville that we used on uh, the mission. But for this record, uh, once we got into the deep into the recording, I was in Toronto and I have a studio there with my, my great studio there. And I keep my my ancient Mellotron, which from 1970, and uh, my Mini Moog and, and an Oberheim OB8, and some other really old, you know, old Rhodes and old Wurlitzer, all these uh, 1920s Steinway and an old 1950s B3. So um, I was able to use those instruments on this record. And that's part of what I'm really, I think was kind of a bonus about having to about the pandemic because we had sworn that no way we're not making a record unless we're all in the same room from now on. And yet we were faced with, well, let's make it, let's make it analog old style, but use the new technology to kind of make it happen. And that's really how it, how it came through. So I really think, I think in every way, it's a balance of the new and the old in a, in a, uh, in a very poignant way. That's so cool. And I, I was wondering about that too, because I remember even thinking, listen to this, huh, the, 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 the tones of these synths, they're very, very classic. Like, I, I was like, that's, that's some damn good emulation, but no, it's real. It's all real. There's not, there's no emulation on there whatsoever. I can tell you the, um, you know, for, for gearheads out there, they, they should know it's, it's recorded through old and analog gear onto, onto the studer tape machines. And, and, and they, the, the Neve console that we use is, is all part of that sound, part of that era. And unless you have all those components in place, you, you can approximate it, but you can't make it sound absolutely authentic because it's, it's, it's a, it's an approximation, you know, that's all there is to it. Whereas this is, this is the authentic gear that's still hanging around and still works to this day uh and and we were able to utilize it on this album nice um this is so much fun um i don't know how much time we got left but i did want to bring up just because um for this i went back and listened to a lot of records um and i realized that this album is turning 20 next year cyclorama Amazing. Um, just yeah so crazy to me that that's happening um do you like do you have any like memories you want to share with this one just because like I, I can't believe this album is going to be 20 years old it was like a it was a really cool album to me as a kid because it's the first new Sticks album I remember coming out. Like I kind of missed Brave New World because I was a little too young, but I remember yeah. this coming out. Yes, yeah. Well, uh, Bra I came into the band after they just made Brave New World, so that was that was twenty four years ago. Or so, yeah. But um, Cyclorama was first of all. I I want to mention that that Storm Storm Thorgerson who did so many classic album covers for Pink Floyd. And then if you ever look him up, he did the cover, he did the cover for, uh, for Psychorama of that giant carrot that to me yeah. rep that represents the possibilities that are out there. You know, that I always thought there was a great poetic thing to that, you know, the, the, the giant carrot that's dangling in front of everyone and, and those kind of businessmen, uh, holding the little bunnies behind their backs because they don't want them to see that. You know, I always, that's the way I always interpreted that cover. It's like, we don't want you to know just how great the possibilities are, are out there. We want to keep you kind of behind our backs and uh, let us kind of channel it to you. And in some ways I find that kind of poetic as well in that 
we were in an era at that point where the music industry was in you know terrible disarray you know yeah. the the four major labels were scrambling to 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 keep their heads above water because the um the internet had completely decimated what what was the 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 accepted and, and the respected and followed paradigm of the music industry. And, and yet there were these great other possibilities out there, I'll refer to the carrot again, that, um, that were just waiting to be discovered. Some of them very dark and dangerous and some of them extremely life altering to, to the point where we can't turn back. The fact that you and I are, are speaking like in this, in this medium today didn't even exist you know, 25 years ago, and and in the early years of it, no one knew what the what the implications would be. So, there are songs on that record now. Looking back on it, that we were trying to address some of that. You know, um, I, I had a song on there that was trying to address the uh, the futility of of consumerism, how we depend so much on our on our um, uh, on it for our, our capital society in order to thrive, in order to tr trade and live, and yet it can be very soul crushing if we if we lose our, too much of our own um, personal integrity to it. And so that was more love for the money, yep, <laughs> you I know. Love that song. And yeah, that pardon me. I love that song, by the way. So oh, good. Oh, thank you very much. And and kind of a you know I like that. There's kind of a Beatlesque or even Ten CC. There are a lot of little. A little even queen little nods to that classic era in that one uh one with everything i think we've already discussed one of my favorite songs on the record because we really all threw in great little pieces that eventually emerged as this great progressive piece that we played for years we might have to bring it back at some point would I say uh, just you know um, things like recording most of it, a lot of it was recorded at, at Tommy's uh, studio in Hollywood uh, at that at, during that time when he was living there right by up by the Hollywood sign and then we recorded down at Ca in Capitol Records which is that famous uh, circular cylindrical building that you always see in in any shots of Los Angeles very legendary place to to record so I was able to do the pianos in there um, what else could I mention about Cyclorama? Uh, 
it, it really was, it portended the fact that Styx was moving on into the next millennium as we have for now, uh, we're into our third decade of it. <laughs> and um, so we were very, you know, but as I said, we, we, we knew we were up against uh, a lot of obstacles that stood in the way of, of progressive rock bands and, and classic rock bands moving ahead into the future. There were obstacles there that we, uh, that we chose to push through. And um, so I, I, I categorized the record in that era and, and in the resilience of the band to, uh, to move forward. Nice. I did want to touch specifically on Fields of the Brave. I'm, I'm, I grew up in the Midwest. Right. I grew up in North Dakota originally. Yeah. So that song always like had a lot of meaning to me. Like I knew exactly yeah. what you were singing about when you when I heard that song. So talk about Fields of the Brave a bit. Oh, well, thank you for bringing that one up. Sure. That one, I actually wrote that song um, in my solo years, in probably about four years, five years maybe before joining Styx. And when I, I was trying to write a song that, that, that hearkened to a feeling of Americana, you know, being Canadian, it's, it's the, we, we share the same cultural background in, the, in that regard. Um, and how, how diminished a lot of our um, lives had become because we weren't as, the Western spirit was kind of uh, fading in, to yeah. a lot of, for a lot of people, especially people like myself, I'm an urban uh, creature who kind of, you know, looks at what once existed in, in North America as, a, as a, a way of life as being, you know, rugged, treacherous, probably horrible, and probably incredibly uh, heroic as well. So there, all of that was kind of tied into the, uh, the notion that, um, we should be we should be pretty brave souls uh, based upon the background that we uh, that we've inherited you know this this backdrop that we've inherited and I think I think some of that will reawaken in us as we um, as we move forward and maybe it is to some degree um, so that's that's really what was on my mind in fields of the brave you know um, these streets we were afraid of once were the fields of the brave that's the, that was the, the catch yeah. line in the song. And I think there's, uh, I think that still rings pretty true. Sometimes I close my eyes and picture the plains. See Buffalo Bill and the Iroquois riding again. Open skies, fertile ground. This was heaven on earth that they found. They got what they gave. By their God, they were saved. They were of the brave the fields of the brave so cool Lawrence this has been a lot of fun I got one more question I always like to end things mm -hmm. on a fun fun note um, yeah so uh, as, as a, as a lighthearted thing I always ask what's the funniest like either like 
thing that's either happened to you on stage or maybe there was like a accident that happened like getting to a show like you know some some kind of funny thing that happened while while you're getting ready to essentially do your job in sticks or doing your job in sticks certainly uh there there are several um i think one of my favorite is that um <laughs> we used to uh to go back to the cyclorama days uh we would we would open the show up with um there was a song that jy had on on cyclorama called heavy water you know that song oh yeah yeah uh, i think it was on yeah. brave new world but yeah <laughs> Oh, that was on Brave New World. I'm sorry, yeah. you're absolutely yeah. right. It was I, on Brave New World. I, I love sorry. that song, though. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, it's funny because I stitched them together. I'm, I, Brave New World was right before I came into the band, but those were the songs we were first learning. Right. Uh, yeah. When, when I, so the cool thing was this: I love when I get a chance to play guitar. If any, you know, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I've always played in bands where the guitarists are so much better than me. There's no, there's no need for me to play, but the um, acoustic, especially. Um, I'm a little bit a little bit more adept in that. Well, when the band went, well, we we need that that we need the, the double guitars of Tommy and JY in the song, but we need that acoustic jangle in this couple of sections of, of heavy water. So let's open with it. And Lawrence, you you uh, you learn it on the 12 string. So Tommy gave me one of his beautiful 12 string guitars. I learn it, and we're we're maybe maybe I'd been in the band for maybe 50, 60 shows at that point. <laughs> we're going to open with this and we're going to come on stage. And just before we walk on, there's a, there's a, a, a quick little, you know, downpour. There's a, there's a shower, you yeah. know, summer tours, outdoor thing. And the guys come out and the, um, the, the our crew come to us and say, be really careful. Stage is really slippery. Uh, but I'm always thinking, look, I'm really nimble. It's, I'm not going to, you know, it'll be fine. We literally walked on stage and as the song started, not only did I slip, but I actually kind of hydroplaned on my ass. <laughs> Still hanging on to the guitar and, you know, for dear life, like, like it was some kind of lifesaver. And it was, uh, I, I remember Tommy and JY kind of glancing over like, what the hell is wrong with him? <laughs> let's not let's not let, let's not do too many guitar songs that he has to actually pick one up for you, <laughs> you know? Because they 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 plot it out onto the stage in a very methodical manner, realizing yeah, this is uh, this is a slippery uh, environment we're suddenly in. But I just completely it flew out of my mind, and then I just skidded across the stage on my arse. That's hilarious. And that's why you didn't get to play guitar again until like 2008, 2009, when you did that opening, med opening medley. That's right. That's right. They, they said, you know, you're, you're a bit more mature now. You, you might be able to handle this. Uh, that's so cool. Lawrence, this has been an absolute blast. Um, I hope to see you out, out there. I hope to catch one of these shows. Um, you have anything you want to plug, any social media you want to plug before we wrap this up? Not really. If people go, if anything people want to know about sticks, they can go to the sticks Facebook page or the sticks world. There's a more in depth things there that um, one of our uh, uh, scribes, Mike Mettler, he writes much more in depth articles uh, uh, about the band and about the history of the band, etc. Um, other than that, just this summer tour live and unzoomed, uh, yeah, live and unzoomed <laughs> is, is rolling on. We've extended it now as well into September. Then we go back and do some Canadian dates, which I'm thrilled about because we're going to do those with Nancy Wilson and her uh, and Hart. Oh, nice. And yeah, that's going to be great because we've played with her in the past. 
Um, I'll have more solo shows towards the end of the year. People, you know, the, the Facebook and uh, uh, it, the social media tools that we use with Instagram, et cetera, keep people well-informed, probably more up to the minute than, than their websites used to. Um, so really people can, can follow what we're up to on there. And uh, we're always active and uh, looking forward to seeing people face-to-face. Nice. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Thanks for joining me. Till next time, I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll. And keep it sly. (laughs) Dog. Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.